Welcome to the Maximizing Outcomes Podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Achieving bigger and better results with money, family, and business isn't about creating a bigger to-do list for yourself. It's about who can help you create results without you having to do all the work. Listen as we provide uncommon perspectives, powerful resources, and experienced people that can help you maximize outcomes in your life. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to Maximizing Outcomes with Jim McGovern. If you're new to the podcast, this is Jim's second podcast. The very first one was his inaugural. That's where you're going to learn a little bit more about his history and a little bit about him personally, which was a lot of fun. But one of the things that that led to was this podcast here. And this podcast is if somebody's listening to the, the, the podcast or they find Jim through all the other educational stuff that he does put out, I wanted to ask him, what does it look like when somebody first contacts your team? Because a lot of people have this fear or this concern of, well, geez, if I, if I call in, they're going to, they're going to try to sell me something or they're going to, you know, they're going to ask me to bring in all this paperwork and I don't want them to see my junk drawer, which we all have everybody. We all have the junk drawer paperwork, so don't worry about it. (laughs) So I wanted Jim to kind of walk through this and, and see what that would look like. So Jim, are you ready for this today? I'm ready. All right. Well, let's, let's make this nice and easy. Um, when somebody, you know, reaches out to your team, what is the very, very first step? What happens? Well, the first step is just a coordinated time to get together. Again, most of our clients, I mentioned this last episode, are introduced to us by other clients or professionals, but there are some people that will meet us in an educational format that's really similar to this. So, mm-hmm. uh, so people, if they reach out on our website or they shoot us an email, it's usually either Patrick, Ryan, or Kyle on my team that's helping to coordinate that initial conversation. And they usually will chat either through email or over the phone just to get a a little bit of a sense of who you are just so that we can be prepared when we have our first conversation. But it's a very low-key meeting. There is zero homework to do. We don't want any information ahead of time. And uh, we just want to have a nice open dialogue so that at the end of the conversation, we can see if we're a good fit for each other. And if so, we can outline the next steps at that point. All right. Well, let's talk about that first meeting. So if they they call in, let's say they get a hold of Ryan, Ryan, ask him a couple questions. How's it going? What, what are your biggest concerns? You kind of have an idea of why they're calling in to begin with, and they decide to make that first appointment. What's the first appointment look like? So I always like to block about 60 to 90 minutes for this initial appointment. And again, there's no cost, there's no obligation, but I just want to make sure we have plenty of time to uh, learn a, a little bit more about each other. So I want them to get familiar with our team and our process. I want to learn a lot more about them as, as a human being. And uh, there's usually three types of situations that we'll discover, and each has its own process. So if somebody is in the wealth accumulation phase of life, their age range is anywhere from maybe their early 20s up to the age of maybe their mid-50s. We have a process that's geared for people in that phase of life. Uh, if they're older, they're maybe 55 and up. We have a whole process dedicated to the what we call the wealth distribution phase of life. We have a whole process for business owners. So I just like to get a sense of which phase of life are they in. But I wanted to dedicate this episode to really diving into what that wealth accumulation process looks like, what it sounds like, because this is the kind of thing that we'll get into in an opening conversation with somebody. Okay. So what what is the goal for this appointment, if, if you can break it down? So... If we're going to spend 60 to 90 minutes with each other, then goal number one has to be that I want you to at least leave the conversation with something of value. I want you to learn something that you didn't know before. 
that's useful to you that you can take with you, and it'll actually make a difference in your life. Mm. Uh, so that's number one for me. Uh, number two is we just need to determine by the end if we think we're a good fit for each other. If working together makes sense, great. Let's outline what the next steps are. But if we're not in alignment, that's okay too. Yeah, this is not for everybody. So again, if, if it's not a good fit, then you know, we can part as friends and you know, give you a few takeaways and you can still live a better life anyway. So yeah. those are the two goals that I have. Okay. Where, where is this meeting conducted? I know on the last podcast, we talked that you guys have the technology to work virtually, mm-hmm. virtually anywhere with anybody. Um, but normally, what is this like? It's really whatever uh, is more comfortable to the individual that wants to meet us. Uh, we do a lot of meetings still in person in the office. Uh, our office is located in downtown Pittsburgh, but whether somebody's in the Pittsburgh area or they're somewhere else in the country, uh, we're doing more and more of these initial conversations virtually using technology like Zoom or GoToMeeting. It just makes it really convenient for people to get together in different locations and really have almost the identical experience that we would have if we were sitting in the same room together. Yeah, except for the fact that they can wear pajamas, right? That's exactly right. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. Good to know. Uh, do they do they need anything in advance for the meeting? I mean, that's I know that's one common fear. They're just uh, I just don't want to get into it, or I don't know where everything is. What are they going to need for this meeting? Yeah, we don't ask for any information ahead of time. We don't want there to be any homework. This is just the conversation. So the only thing that I ask is that if you come into a, a conversation like this, just come in with an open mind, a willingness to learn a willingness to improve. And if you have that right mindset, then we're going to have a great meeting. I, I understand that sometimes people are nervous or anxious. This is kind of like going to a doctor for the first time. You're not really mm-hmm. sure what to expect, but it's a very simple conversation. It's not intimidating at all. There's really nothing to worry about. Again, it's, it's going to be a discovery and learning process for both of us. Okay. Well, let's talk about that discovery then. What are the types of things that you're going to be discussing? Yeah. I like to spend the first part of the conversation just getting to know each other a bit. And yeah, just recognize we're in the people business. So I'd rather get to know you as a person. To me, that's far more important than any numbers that I might see in a sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. But I also like to get a sense of the experience that folks have had with folks in my industry. Uh, some mm-hmm. people haven't had any experience at all, which is fine. Some have had a lot of experience and maybe a lot of longstanding relationships. And some experiences have been better than others. So I just want to get a sense of where they're coming from. But from a formal agenda standpoint, I want to find out what's on this individual's agenda first. What are some things that they want to make sure that we talk about? So by the time we wrap up our conversation, they got some insights into what they were looking for. But from our standpoint, our agenda is really to talk about who we are. I want to make sure that people understand what our philosophy is. And from there, we can get into some specifics about what their goals and concerns might be, discuss a little bit of key data, some things they might know off the top of their head. And then from there, we can outline at the end, if we both feel we're a good fit for each other, then we'll outline what those next steps are going to be. So that's why I like to keep the length of the meeting about 60 to 90 minutes so we can have a nice interactive conversation and get a really good feel for what we do, how we do it. They can see, is this different or not? And is this going to be of value to me or not? But to yeah. me, that's a successful initial conversation together. Perfect. Perfect. And I imagine you get into the team structure, right? Because your group is a lot bigger than than most people might think. And and if anybody is listening to this podcast after listening to the first one, they realize how big the team is because we discussed it there. Uh, but I'm assuming that's what you get into as well. Definitely, because the McGovern Wealth Group is a team 
that operates inside of a much larger enterprise. And I think I mentioned this last time, mm -hmm. the larger enterprise is called Lifetime Financial Growth. And I always joke around that we're like the biggest firm no one's ever heard of before. Because the firm itself, LFG, started a little over 55 years ago oh. in Pittsburgh, PA. So over, over the half a century mark at this point. And back when it was founded, it was a small firm. It was about six people in the organization. The original founder is still with the company today. Nice. Still headquartered in Pittsburgh. That's actually where our office is located is in the LFG headquarters. But we now have locations through, um, throughout six states. We have roughly 275 professionals. We have about 70 support staff. And again, even though we have locations in six states, we have a clientele that's all over the country. So there's roughly 67,000 clients nationwide. Wow. So I've been with the firm since 2002, and I launched my own team to operate as a firm inside of the firm due to some of those unique areas of knowledge that we have that we've developed over the years. And you're going to see that throughout the show. But you know, our structure allows us to deliver that boutique feel with the resources at our fingertips of a much larger organization. Yeah, and this is quite unique. You know, as we spoke about before, I've worked with a lot of financial professionals in my career, but this is very, very unique. And with that much combined experience, what are some of the lessons that you've learned as a group? So I think that some of the biggest lessons we've learned is a lot about what works when it comes to money in people. But I think what's more relevant for today's conversation is we've also learned a lot about what doesn't work. So all those lessons have been boiled down into the process that we use when we work with our clients. It's that collective wisdom of all these people, all these decades that we've been able to put together and give people a step-by-step -step approach to what we feel is a much clearer direction for them. Yeah. Jim, there are a lot of rules of thumb, right? I mean, everybody has advice. Everybody has their own ideas. But there's rules of thumb and common ways people are taught to plan with their money. I'm going to ask you this. What are some of the pitfalls with the more traditional ways of thinking about finances that we're, we're taught in passing a lot of times? So there's, there's a lot. And yeah, I think if you take a step back for a minute and you think about how busy people are these days, mm -hmm. people are busy personally, they're busy professionally, and when it comes to finances, it, it usually takes a backseat, and it's complicated. And as you go through different phases of life, you end up acquiring more financial products, more services, mm -hmm. and I think you get more confusion. So you mentioned the word junk drawer earlier, and I think that's a perfect comment for this, is that it starts to feel like over time, like we have a financial junk drawer. There's a lot of stuff, you know, it's in that junk drawer, maybe even some things that are missing from that drawer. But when it comes to making decisions, it, it starts to feel like everything is tied for first place. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to know the order in which we should make decisions. So I think those are the things that lead people to want to work with somebody in my industry in the first place. You know, they're feeling confused or they're not really sure what the next best move should be. So they reach out to somebody like me. But too often in my industry, the focus is put on investing and rates of return versus things like the rate at which somebody should be saving, you know, how much of your income should be putting away. So the reality is how you manage your cash flows has a lot more to do with your overall ability to build wealth than the rate of return that you're earning on your portfolio. So that's something that I think a lot of people have been led down this path of just rate of return chasing. And like I've met people all different walks of life. I've met people that are at the age 
when you would commonly think of somebody who's going to be retiring. And some of these people, for one reason or another, were great investors. They had great rates of return, whether it was luck, skill, whatever. They just happened to always do well with their investments. But they're really worried about running out of money in retirement. And the reason for that is, while the portfolio may have done fantastic, they simply didn't put enough money away throughout their career. And they're in, in serious danger of running out of money when they retire. I've met people that are the opposite. For one reason or another, they were just never really good investors. And again, maybe it was it was bad luck, bad skill, whatever it was. It just never seemed to pan out. But they saved an enormous amount of their income over their careers. And they're not too worried about the future in retirement. They're going to be just fine. So I'm not trying to minimize rate of return. It's just I think that rate of return is too often put in front of how you manage your cash flows. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think it's a problem. And the second thing that I see is it's very common for people to think in terms of needs. For example, uh, the easiest one to pick on here is you know, how much do I need for retirement? So it, it sounds very logical, uh, but if you're somebody who's, I don't know, maybe 40 years old and you're trying to figure out today how much do I need in two and a half decades or so to retire, it's almost impossible to get that correct. Yeah, that's tough. And I'll give you an example. So, Eric, let me ask you this question. Just put you on the spot here. Sure. We'll change it. I'll, I'll be the interviewer for a minute. All right. Sounds good. What do you plan on eating for dinner two weeks from tonight? <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, no idea. Yeah. Right? It's only two weeks out from now. It's hard to predict that. But even if you had plans, those plans could change. Mm -hmm. You might not be feeling well. Something may happen at work. I mean, those well thought out plans suddenly could be completely different in just two weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, second loaded question for you. How much is your vacation going to cost in the summer of 2024? Man, that's a great question because, <laughs> I mean, the, the first thing I think of is, number one, I'm not sure. I have a ballpark, but it depends on what happens in the next two years in my finances and how much I'm making. Because if we can afford a little more, my wife and I would love to do a, maybe a larger trip to Europe, right? Based, you know, yep. based on the finances. Otherwise, we always love to go to Mexico, which is a whole lot cheaper, <laughs> right? That's right. That's right. So these are things that we do all the time. We eat dinner on a regular basis. We like to vacation, preferably at least every year, right? But mm -hmm. it's very difficult to predict with accuracy things that are this close in the calendar. So if we can't get those things correct, then what are the odds that we can predict exactly how much you need to retire in two or three decades? And then when you reach retirement, that's just a moment in time. You might live two or three decades into retirement without a paycheck. So I think that there's a lot more harm than good that goes into trying to predict you know, early on how much money you need down the road. Because I think it starts to create a thermostat around wealth creation. Because every time you do a review of your plan, you're starting to think about, am I ahead of pace? Am I behind pace? All to hit a target that was probably wrong in the first place. So... We have to think differently. Um, I'm not saying don't plan. I'm just saying don't set a target or a thermostat around your ability to create wealth. Yeah. What I think people really should be thinking in terms of is cash flow production. Because the moment in time where your own personal financial resources can produce the cash flow that you need to live the lifestyle that you want, that's the moment in time where you can realistically walk away from a paycheck. Yeah. But until that moment in time comes, you have to keep working for, for a paycheck. You have to keep bringing cash flow in. Mm -hmm. So if we think in terms of, of that, it's a little bit easier to see 
realistically, when might I really be prepared to not rely on that paycheck anymore and, and go live life on my terms? Yeah. And, and you, you say it's, it's pretty easy. However, this is what you do for a living, my man. <laughs> you know, so that's true. That how is do you, true. Yeah. How do you simplify this and sort all of this out for somebody? So I think everybody is really looking for a roadmap first mm-hmm. and foremost, but they don't want a jargon filled discussion and come out with more confusion. So we have to do this step by step. The first thing that I do with everybody is we just build a balance sheet together. We just add up what all of your assets are. Mm-hmm. We add up what all of your liabilities are. When you take the total of your assets minus your liabilities, that gives you your net worth. I know this is for some people, this is like just accounting 101. But net worth is a measure of progress. It's not right or wrong. It's not good or bad. It's just a reflection of all your financial progress in your life from the time you were born up until this moment. So that balance sheet is not going to build itself. The balance sheet is built or destroyed based on how cash flow is moving in and out of your life. So as an easy example here, if you make more money than you spend, you have excess cash flow. That excess cash flow can build your assets. It could shrink your liabilities or it could do a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But if you're spending more than you're making, the opposite happens. Assets are depleted to make up for that cash flow shortfall or new liabilities appear. You start taking on more debt to make up for the cash flow shortfall or you do a little bit of both. So if we look at your balance sheet, and we look at your cash flows simultaneously in the same view, we have a great sense of direction as to where you might be heading. So we use some amazing tools to help people visualize this, make it very, very simple. Mm -hmm. So if we just stop there, it's helpful to get a sense of direction, but it's not complete. Um, I find a lot of clients get excited when they start to look at the prospects of improving their net worth and getting better at how they manage their cash flows and they start to visualize all these dreams becoming reality. But we have to also think about how do you protect your accomplishments? How do you protect some of the most precious resources in your financial life? Uh, And that would really be your cash flow. So if cash flow suddenly comes to a complete stop, the balance sheet and all the amazing progress you've made starts to unravel quickly. Mm hmm. So if we want to have a, a holistic and complete view of somebody's entire financial picture, we have to look at not just assets, liabilities, and cash flow. We have to look at how do you protect all this? And there's really three specific threats that we identify that can either eliminate or just take a massive bite out of our cash flows and maybe even our assets that we have to protect against. And that could be a lawsuit. And I've had clients that have gone through lawsuits. It's never pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, It could be a major change to your health where you either can't work at all or you can't work as much. Or it could be death. Those are three not very entertaining conversations to have, but they're super important to protect against because in a moment's notice, any warning, any of those things could happen and it could really destroy everything. Yeah. So let me give you one more example just to drive this point home here. And just, just want the audience to think about the paychecks that they earn. And I want you to think about the very last paycheck that you receive. And just for a moment, just imagine if that last paycheck was the last paycheck you ever earned in your life. So just think about what kind of problems that would cause for you. So if you're saying, hey, it wouldn't cause any problems at all, that's great. You don't have to work anymore. 
But if losing a paycheck or never earning one ever again would cause a problem, think about the ripple effect that that has. It's not just the loss of an income. But how does it impact the home that you live in, the car mm-hmm. that you drive, the mm-hmm. food on the table, the education your kids receive? I mean, it'll touch everything in your life. So if cash flow is that precious to us, then we feel that we owe it to ourselves and our clients to make sure that that cash flow is properly protected with things like insurances, benefits through work, legal documents like wills and trusts. Like We have to protect while we grow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, obviously you're looking at everything in a very truly holistic manner. Uh, but once you map out someone's balance sheet like this, where do you go next? Because it, to, to the to the layperson, it's still going to be complicated. It it starts to sound complicated, but I'm going to make it really simple. It, it's actually only four steps. So it's not time consuming. We have to start somewhere, but mm-hmm. we try to keep each meeting, each of these four steps, to about sixty minutes. Sometimes you know maybe seventy five minutes. They're not very long conversations, but philosophically, we have to decide where we begin. Yeah. So I'll give you another example here of why the order in which we make decisions is so important. So if you imagine being in a terrible car accident and you have a severely broken leg and an ambulance takes you to the hospital, uh, as the patient, when you get to the hospital, the first thing that you want is you want somebody to fix your leg. You're in pain. You're, you're miserable. Like you're, mm-hmm. You just want surgery to fix that leg. That doesn't mean the hospital staff jumps to that leg first. They have a process. They have an order in which they treat a patient. The first thing this medical staff is going to do is they need to check your vital signs. So maybe as they check your vital signs, they discover that your heart isn't beating so well. So even though you have a broken leg and you want somebody to fix it, your heart's not functioning well. These two health issues are not equally as important. They are not tied for first place. Mm -hmm. So if they take you into surgery to fix your leg first and your heart isn't fixed, you may not even get out of the surgery alive. Yeah. So in 20 plus years, I've never had a client call me in a panic at age 40 and say, oh, there's been this terrible emergency. I, I, I can't believe it. I'm suddenly, I'm retiring today. I'm 40 years old, just out of nowhere. It just, it just happened, right? Mm. Now people lose their jobs. I'm talking about like sudden, like I'm prepared for retirement today, but I wasn't yesterday. Yeah. All right. But I have had people call me and they say things like, uh, hey, I've been in an accident. I'm getting sued. I had a client almost 12 years ago now get into a terrible car accident that he was found at fault and he got sued and he lost. He lost big, actually. Mm. So going back to my medical example, you know, the hospital staff is going to fix things that are true priorities first, things that are less of priorities second. So they would fix the heart first and the leg second. So in our four-step process, philosophically, where we recommend people begin is to just take an hour and let's comb through your balance sheet and see how well it could stand up in the face of really severe losses like a lawsuit, a disability, or a death. Again, they aren't fun topics to talk about, but if we get it right now, this is not something we have to constantly revisit. Yeah. And because we're talking about insurances and legal documents, I know every single time the elephant in the room is always cost. And we have to be very aware of cost because if we look at some gaps in a plan, but the solutions are cost prohibitive, that puts you in a tough spot. Like, mm-hmm. like, what do you do? Do you just take your chances? Do you, like, it's just not a good place to be. So we can't just look at solutions that are optimal in the face of a, of a personal crisis. We have to find cost-effective ways because if we can drive the cost down, 
or minimize it, it's a lot easier to make decisions. So I don't ever want somebody to be left hanging trying to figure this out on their own. Like we have to look at how do you protect better, but then how do you do it in a cost-effective manner at the same time? But that's all in step one is that protection of the balance sheet. All right, Jim, that sounds like it wraps up step one. What's step two? Step two is working on cash flows. We have to identify what's the optimal amount of cash flow somebody should be setting aside for the future. So it's not just a matter of how much should I be saving or investing, but how do you do it? What's the system or the structure that you need to deploy to become a better and better saver of money over time? So a lot of us think that if we make more money in the future, we'll automatically save more. It'll be easier. But in reality, if you look backwards in your life, usually mm -hmm. as you make more, human nature is to spend more. Yeah. And some of that's okay. I mean, you need to live the best life you can, but it has to be the best life you can sustain. So we start to work on a cash flow system and a structure to make it easier and easier to save a larger percentage of your income over time, but at the same time, have a lifestyle that can also expand with it. So step two is, is critically important, but it's also a lot of fun. A lot of people realize that, you know, I can be on a budget without ever being on a budget. So that's an incredibly impactful conversation. Sometimes we do that with step one in one meeting. Sometimes we just carve out a separate conversation for that. Got it. All right. Step three. Step three is where we start working on the assets on the balance sheet. And we just nickname this, you know, we're going to start building out what we call life event funds. Hmm. Retirement is just one life event. There's a lot of other life events that you'll live through long before retirement. So we want to make sure that you have money available to you for any life event that you go through, regardless of what order it happens in. So this is where we start to get into where should you put your money? How accessible is it? What are the tax implications of it? What's some of the mathematics behind investing? How do you construct a portfolio and why? So this is where we start to roll up our sleeves and really dig in quite a bit to some of the math behind the scenes in a, in a very interactive manner, very visual manner. And people start to get a lot more confidence in not only where money is going, but how money works. And that's a great segue into step four, which is now that we have the asset side of the balance sheet figured out, now we can start addressing the liability side. Mm. You know, how do we drive down um, consumer debts? Uh, nobody is excited about their debt. Uh, I've seen it be a really um, difficult thing in many relationships. People fight about debt. They feel guilty about it. They feel like it's this cloud that's following them around forever. They're never going to get rid of it. But there's actually some things that debt does to us that can be turned into a positive, which sometimes surprises people. Like, yeah. how, how can this gloomy debt be a positive thing? So I think everybody, Eric, and you've spoken to tons of people in my industry, I think everybody's heard the phrase, pay yourself first. Oh, yeah. Right? Sounds logical, seems natural. But what I always find is people tend to put themselves in the back of the line. They mm -hmm. pay themselves last. They pay everybody else first, especially when it comes to debts. So I've seen people who will never miss a debt payment because the consequences of missing a debt payment are pretty high. They're never late. doesn't matter what kind of a month they're having. They always find a way to make that debt payment on time. So if we can find ways to relieve the cash flow burden of paying these debts, and we can repurpose that cash flow elsewhere in the client's life. That sometimes can be an easy, easy way to close the cash flow gaps that we discovered maybe earlier in the process. That sometimes there's a hidden opportunity that if you can take that discipline of, hey, you're paying the bank this money, 
month in and month out, here's some ways to either maybe pay it off faster, pay it off altogether, or restructure it to free up more cash flow. Then we can identify some other opportunities that you have with that cash flow that could be very, very impactful on your overall financial progress. Yeah. So that's the advantage of looking at this holistically. So you know, looking at, at all those liabilities and trying to find, you know, how do you keep more of your own money is the name of the game. Yeah, absolutely. So Jim, how long does this process usually take? So the process is not that long. So each step is one meeting followed by a wrap-up meeting. Okay. And in that recap meeting, that's where we can reflect back on where were you when we started working together? What are some of the changes that you made? And how do things look now? And you have nice tangible evidence of the progress that you've made. Uh, it, it's not spaced out too far. So I like to keep the meetings usually a week or two apart. It gives us enough time for us to get our homework done for you in between meetings, mm-hmm. but also keep the information pretty fresh. But, uh, but yeah, most clients, you know, four, four to five meetings and they're through the entire process. Gotcha. So now you've, in your initial meeting, you've described this entire process, right? And I mean, you, you've, you've kind of gone through it. What does the rest of that initial meeting look like? So once somebody understands philosophically how we think and the order in which we go through things, then yeah, the spotlight's mostly been on us at that point. I like to shift the spotlight to the client and, and now give them a chance to talk. And I want them to walk us through you know, what are some of the goals that they have? What are some of the concerns that they want to address? What are some topics that they want more answers around? We start to memorialize all that so that if we are going to work together, we get a sense of what's in their heart and what's in their head. And this plan is about them, so we want to make sure that they have a voice in the process and they're steering us towards the things that they want to accomplish. So we usually spend you know, 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes outlining that. And then from there, I just like to do one last exercise, which is to just ask for some key information, things that people tend to know off the top of their head, and start to cut down on their homework list. So if they can just provide us some rough facts and figures that they do know, I can start to demonstrate that four-step process for them in action, mm-hmm. and they get the, a real tangible sampling of what we're going to be talking about specifically in each step. And we even give them a scorecard so they can see where are the areas where we may see warning signs, where are some areas that are already in a pretty optimal state, and maybe where are they in between. But that way they can walk out of there and, and see exactly where there's value and where they're already in pretty good shape. So that's the point in the meeting where we're all in a good position to decide, is this process a good fit for them? Is it a good fit for us? And if so, it's just a matter of the next steps, which is usually scheduling the next meeting. All right. Well, this has been very thorough. It's really a good sense of what that initial meeting looks like. Is there anything else you want to say as we wrap this podcast up? Yeah, I just want to say that if you're feeling a little confused and you're looking for some direction, just talk with somebody. It can be us. It could be somebody like us. But rather than trying to figure all this out on your own and trying to learn how to do everything yourself, just look for somebody who has the knowledge that you want and just work alongside them. You'll probably get a lot more accomplished with a lot less effort and a lot less confusion. So like I said in our last episode, if you start to focus on who versus how, uh, it's a much it's very relieving to see how fast you can actually accomplish things with a lot less effort. Yeah, absolutely. And Jim, one more time, why don't you give them some contact info so they can reach out if they're interested? Absolutely. So you can reach us at info at mcgovernwealth.com, or you can reach us on our website, www.mcgovernwealth.com. 
All right, Jim, thank you so much for your time today, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Eric. You bet. And of course, our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Maximizing Outcomes podcast with Jim McGovern. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at McGovern Wealth Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Maximizing Outcomes podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Be sure to follow the show to be notified when new episodes become available. To suggest a topic or guest for a future episode, or learn more about how we can help to maximize outcomes in your life, visit our website at www.mcgovernwealth.com. This podcast is intended for general public use and is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or McGovern Wealth Group, and opinions stated are their own. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Jim McGovern is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. McGovern Wealth Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. CA Insurance License Number. 0F67329. AR Insurance License Number 7119103. California Insurance License Number 0F67329. Arkansas Insurance License Number 7119103. Number 2022-134640 expires April 2024.